Till the tears run down from my eyes Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody Can anybody find me? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language, and there may be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome. My name is Ron Herkins Jr. for the week of March 25th, 2018. I am your host today with my co-hosts, Tony Carter and Valerie Vidmar. Hello and welcome. How are you guys today? I'm all right. I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I've had a pretty busy week. Did a couple things this week. What'd you do? Interesting, Valerie. You're going to start out with your busy week and then a busy week. We finished our construction. We had um, a dishwasher incident last week. May. Okay. Can we just put that? Last May. Last May. So wow. Almost a year. rained into our basement. It, and we had almost like the, one of the busiest wet seasons too. It was awful. So we had carpet ripped up all over our house and it sucked. So under eight weeks, for about almost eight weeks, we've been under construction. They totally gutted three quarters of our upstairs and it's completed now. We have a new kitchen. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Backsplash decisions are hard. That's my that's my takeaway, which is a first world problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Um, I uh, I took some photos this week for Jiva's latest show, Opening Heartland, and nice. then went over to Blackfriars Theater and did a video promo for them for When We Were Young and Unafraid. And then I got a treadmill in the last two weeks, and so I'm trying to get back into running and get some of this weight off now that spring is officially here on the calendar, but not officially here in the weather. How far are you running on the treadmill so far? Not very far yet. I always have to do the couch to 5K thing. Works for me. I'm just doing the no holds barred, just jump in and try something. Makes sense. How about you, Tony? Uh, Let's see, this past Saturday, yesterday I went on a egg drop at my church in Lima. So basically a helicopter drops 10,000 eggs onto the field and little kids go running. 10,000 like plastic eggs? Plastic eggs, yes. 10,000? Yeah. How many people are at your church? We had two groups, zero through five-year-olds and then first through fifth graders. So Marnie and I were running out there and we almost got trampled by little kids and their parents with <laughs> buckets of plastic eggs already caught and then... I went down to help Marnie get some, and kids were pinching my hands, pinching my hands <laughs> up. I got run into my butt and got my feet tackled. And <laughs> Marnie got one egg out of the whole experience. One That's egg. That's terrible. And we had kids beside us with buckets full of eggs. So, yeah, it was preposterous. And next year, I'm going to teach Marnie how to clothesline. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> start was, setting those WWE films. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, this just, is the proper way to do it. It's just, it was too much. I mean, she started crying, and I was felt bad. Oh. and said, this is my egg. And the kid said, no. I'm like, yes. And What what are in the eggs? They're just plastic eggs with little tissy rolls in them. 
But that's it. Titsy yeah, rolls. Little titsy rolls. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, kids had little like little plastic buckets of thirty or more in the buckets, and I'm like, guys, I just want one, and oh. you're gonna run over me for one egg, and yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. Kids oh are, boy. Kids are cruel. Yes. Even at Easter time. Yeah. Well, today's docket, we're going to go through the, some of the news that we care about. We're going to go through our recommendations of the week. Valerie is going to go over Love, Simon. Anthony has Camp X-Ray. And I'm going to go back and uh, with a movie I just watched called Spy. I don't know how I missed that one, but it was a good movie. Um, today's stew is on film and its attempt to portray authentic relationships and our media that's tied in with that is The Squid and the Whale from 2005. So, well, how about the news that we care about? Wow. <laughs> oh, some new trailers came out this week. Um, we have the new uh, Jeremy Renner, John Hamm uh, film, Tag. Going on here? Our group of friends has been playing the same game of tag for 30 years. What? For the entire month of May, every year we play tag. You're you got me. me. You never know when someone's gonna pop up. Congratulations, buddy. You're in. Doing great, Anna. Our buddy Jerry is the best that ever played. And now he wants to retire. Never been tagged. I just don't know. I saw this trailer uh at, what was it Tuesday it came out? Right, yes. I think it looks I hilarious. It. Jeremy Renner, you know, the the, fantastic. the fantastic tough guy, spy type guy and you know these they're playing tag for 30 years and I'm a John Hamm girl. You um, like him in this. He's good in this. It looks good and it's got um Ilsa Il- Il- Fisher. Yes. It's good. Um, I, as well. I read the original article from this was based on in 2013, so that's a long time ago. I read the article in the Wall Street Journal and I loved it. And I want to snatch it up for myself to write, but then someone else got it. And it's been through so many actors and turnarounds, but I'm glad it's out now. It's exciting. I read a lot, people, so reading is fundamental. Reading is reading is fundamental. <laughs> uh, also came out this week is the new Action Point trailer with Johnny Knoxville, um, kind of loosely based on the... Uh, there is an amusement park outside of Jersey... That was basically like the world's worst amusement park. There was like no safety, no danger, anything in that. But for some reason, I this showed up after tag, and I just rolled right into it, and I was laughing the whole time. So it's like a because, jackass thing. Well, you have the you have the Johnny Knoxville of like the jackass fame that is just like all his own stunts, gets injured, and everything. And well, they actually incorporate it into the film. So it's actually like a film that's trying to take itself a little bit somewhat serious but funny, but mm-hmm. they're doing all their own stunts on it. And it's just, I don't know. It was Didn't just one of those. originally do their own stunts? They did. Yes, but Johnny has walked away from doing his own stunts for a while now. Yeah, they've all got some serious issues. Ugh, yeah. But it was just the story of that amusement park. And I know this is the satire version of that, but has always intrigued me. It was just like how, like, this was before any safety, per, like, guidelines were ever put in place for, like... Is it still in operation? No, no. It's been closed for a very, very long time. So okay. it was, like, late 70s, early 80s, I think. So this movie takes place mm, then? 80s-ish, I think. Okay. Like, okay. right at the tail end of when it was closing. Okay, got it. Uh, and we also had Cobra Kai trailer come out. <laughs> 
Daniel LaRusso here for LaRusso Auto. We are chopping prices on all of our inventory. Johnny, I knew it was you. This is Johnny Lawrence. He and I go way back. Oh, this is a guy who's ass you kicked. If you want to get technical, I kicked his face. <laughs> Valor's shaking her head the whole time. I mean, Karate Kid people, if you didn't pick that up, we got some Karate Kid love going on. And, uh... He turned into a jerk, I guess. There's a theory out that Danny is actually the real villain of Karate Kid. There's a YouTube video or something like out there talking about how Danny's really the true bad guy. In Why? Series. How? Because he helps out an old man. I feel there's always and like stands some, up to bullies. No, 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 no. There's always bullies. some kind of theory out there somewhere of like anything that's a beloved series that kind of turns it on end. Right. It's just they just don't like Ralph do Macchio. I don't know about this. It looks confused. Like I, it's like they turned everything around. Like Johnny seems to have a good. I mean, he seems to have a heart. It may be twisted, but trying to help people, but in a weird way by reinventing or restarting his. Well, except that he's doing it the same way as he was taught. So, you know, no mercy. Yeah, but yeah, he's Johnny. also helping people who are bullied. Switch leg. Not be bullied. It's just confusing. I'm but confused. but then at the end of the trailer, you start seeing the two of them. Right. He, now they're gonna start facing off facing against off. each other, and it's like, come on. Come on. we're too old for this, yeah. duh. Yeah. <laughs> right? No kidding. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't know where I stand with this. Probably not gonna watch it. Yeah, it's but confusing. Trailer's about as enough for me. Um, <laughs> oh. News out of South by Southwest, Ready Player One, and A Quiet Place are getting uh, pretty rave reviews, especially A Quiet Place. That's the one with uh, John. One from the office, John Krasinski. Thank you, John Krasinski. Oh um, yes, and Emily Blunt. I saw that trailer. Um, but it's been getting. Didn't they shoot that around here, like upstate New York? I think. I think I read that they shot that around, not in Rochester, but around our parts. I can look that up for next week. But that would have been good for this week. I think they were shooting quickly. Quickly, were... Google, Google, quickly. I'll no. get to it. We'll find. What it. else? What else news do we got there? Well, speaking of South by, South by Southwest, um, apparently Robert Rodriguez had an experimental web series he's doing, and he gave five people the chance to recreate his journey into filmmaking. So he gave them $7,000 and two weeks, and they can have a plus one, and they were tasked with making their own movie, their own feature film in that amount of time. And the web series follows their journey, and their films are supposed to premiere at the South by Southwest Festival. I'm sorry. Do you feel like you missed out on that opportunity? I didn't know anything about it. How are you supposed to find these things out? I guess stay on the internet, I guess. I don't know. Or just follow his t- tweets. I don't do that. I have a life. But <laughs> <laughs> there's, gonna, there's been a couple of these profile right. or high profile name ones. That, you know, Most notably has been the Matt Damon and Project Ben Greenlight. Affleck Project, Lincoln Light. And then Steven Spielberg's had one on um, that was actually on TV. It was right. a, basically a um, week, weekly show. What was it called? I think oh, it, what, I can't even remember the name of it. I missed it. But it was a weekly elimination show, so you'd make a short basically each week to mm. win the prize. But it was Steven Spielberg was completely behind it. That was only on one year. Right. Hmm. But Project Greenlight was the one that actually had a long, longer life term. It was rumored to come back and then ended up canceling, not having enough interest in it. And that's interesting that the Robert Rodriguez thing came up. But it, it's only a $7,000 budget. You could do a lot with that kind of money. <laughs> well... You can, but well, these days you can. I mean, you use smartphones and compared yeah. to the budgets that they had for the other two yes. contests, that's Speaking a pretty of paltry. Steven Spielberg. Yes, Indiana Jones. Five. I'm not 
I love Indiana Jones. I love Steven Spielberg. I'm not looking forward to a five. That's what we, I think I was hearing them say, resurrect the film, just bring it back. Like, What are they going to do with this? Do we know? Not repeat Crystal Skull, I hope. God. I, I, I couldn't watch it. I just stopped watching it. The whole refrigerator tumble, and I said, I can't, I can't. And I saw snippets of it here and there, but I just couldn't wrap my head around it at all. When are we going to get a trailer for this? Yeah. Well, he doesn't start filming until next May. So it's not coming out until 2020. Yeah, the story has time to be good. It has time to be good. Do we know who signed up? Harrison. Harrison, Harrison, and that's it? Shia, probably. No. 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 Shia is not coming back to the series. I've heard that for a little while. Thank goodness. So the question is, who's going to... Are they going to pass the reins off to anybody, or are they just going to let it die? Because Harrison is nearing 80. I think so, yeah, about that. Who would you want? Who would you want? Who would you want? I'm trying to think. I think we just need to end it. I mean, the <laughs> Soviets were in the last one, right? So who's next? Yeah, we've been moving up in time because mm-hmm. they've been trying to keep up with Indy's age. I don't know. There's no one left. The Soviets are still... Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. see what happens, I guess. I, I would like... It would be nice for them to stick somebody else in there and maybe, maybe they do it in a way that Indiana Jones has flashbacks right. and... We're actually living in Indiana Jones, you know, in the same way that like how River Phoenix came in for Indiana Jones Last Crusade. Mm. They use that same mentality of Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford is telling the story of when he was, you know, somewhere in between Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom kind of thing. Mm. But that would be a, a way for them to continue the franchise. We'll see. Any other news? Uh, they wrap it up. They're doing a Men in Black reboot with, uh, let's see, Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. Uh, they're going to reboot the whole thing with those two. Oh. That's F. Gary Gray, director's chair. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Men in Black, but they're redoing it, and it's, it has to be better than Men in Black 2. I like the first one, and that was it. Yeah, so I did I. Ready too. for it to be done. <laughs> but... We'll see what happens. Tessa Thompson's in it, so I'll be watching that. All right. Well, that wraps up our news, and we're going to roll into our recommendation list. First up is Valerie with... Love, Simon. My name's Simon. I'm just like you, except I have one huge-ass secret. Hey! I like your your boots! I said I like your, your boots! Bye. Nobody knows I'm gay. <sighs> okay, don't base uh, going to see that on liking someone's boots. Um, <laughs> so this is, they keep calling it a rom-com, a gay rom-com. It's, to me, it, it wasn't. It was a teenage coming of age, I I, that's the way I saw it. And they kept saying, oh, it's a John Hughes-esque kind of thing. So um, we do have some John Hughes qualities. So we have um, Simon, who's played by Nick Robinson, who was in Jurassic World. Um, his parent, he does have great parents, so that doesn't really work out as an 80s thing. Uh, he has his own little group of friends. They have a great soundtrack that falls through the whole thing. I did notice that one. Um, there is a parentless house party. 
So that happens, um, which normally happens. And then there's an wait and see moment at the end. Is this all going to end in a good way or a bad way? Um, this is the first major film that featured uh, a gay lead character. It was wide release, 2,400 theaters. So it was a big deal. Um, the storyline is obviously nobody knows he's gay. And he finds out uh, that there is another gay kid through um, a message board, basically. And so he writes him back after having a very moment where he like touches the picture of his family, realizing that everything is going to change. He makes a big deal in the beginning of how much he loves his life and he hasn't wanted to come out because he doesn't want anything to change, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, so he has his little group of friends and he doesn't tell anybody and he has this pen pal that goes back and forth and he starts falling for him. And one of his uh, classmate theater nerds uh, got into his computer, always log out kids, uh, and finds these letters and blackmails him into saying, you know, unless you set me up with one of your friends, I'm going to tell everybody because that's equally equally weighted by changing your life. That, that was annoying to me. Uh, anyway, but he eventually does get outed. Um, so that was not his choice. Um, that's where it got me. So when we find out that everything has come out and his friends are confused and he keeps getting calls and he real and then his pen pal says, I'm sorry, I'm out. Everything just basically falls apart. He, the, the music crescendos and he falls into his bed. It's like everything crashed around him. That is where I, that's where I started crying. So I cried for a while there. Um, it does have a happy ending. I will say that. Um, I know that we're not doing, I mean, we can do spoilers if we want to, but I don't really feel like it, um, except to say that it was a happy ending. Um, the one thing that I thought was interesting, you are dealing with some pretty um, immature kids. So he has his friends that basically desert him. They get pissed off over something stupid, so they don't stand by him, and his parents do. How, how old is he supposed to be? He's a senior in high school. Okay. Oh. Well, kids are generally immature to begin with, so it was just <clears throat> kind of like seriously, you know, because basically, normally it's the parents kick you out and your friends take you in and they become your family. And this, you know, he has this lovely parents played by Jennifer Garner and Josh Demel, and uh, Jennifer Garner does that lovely, a lovely speech where he's able to finally be himself more than anything. Um, so I went to go see this because I, I, th I was going to go see it anyway. But you guys remember Dustin who came in for the Oscar mm -hmm. show? Yep. Um, Dustin and his husband, went, they went to go see this movie and it affected him pretty, pretty deeply. And um, he basically said that if they would have had that type of film when they were growing up coming out, it would have been a lot easier. They didn't see any character on this wide release huge screen where everything is okay gay is okay everything's gonna be fine i think that's a sign of the times though too i mean 
we're now in a generally wide, a widely more accepted for that type of person to be okay with living. He grew up in Kansas. We did. Yeah. So his wish is that I don't even know. I, I'm hoping that a place in Kansas. You don't he know. Should. Time. He's, um, one place. he's hoping that kids in Kansas go and hopefully it makes a difference in their lives. Actually. But I mean, I mean, you, you look at, you know, my age, your age, Dustin's age, we're of the age where the, the parents that you watched in the movie are basically portraying with a senior kid. Right, right. So we're a generation that has now been a generation removed from the generation before. So we are a much more accepting generation that right. came before us. Like even so that movie couldn't have existed. True. I mean, Greg Berlanti, who was the director of this movie... Um, he's the one, the Flash, Supergirl, Riverdale. He actually, um, he was the director of um, Dawson's Creek. Um, don't laugh. I'm sorry. I'm just going back to the. Yeah. He actually threatened to quit until the two male characters could share their first kiss. It was the first network televisions um, of two gay characters kissing. Whoa, so, whoa, 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 whoa. What? Say again. Say again. Okay. What? Greg, so Greg Berlanti. Was on Dawson's. He was with Dawson's Creek, right? Right, and he threatened to quit because he wanted the two gay characters to kiss, to have their first kiss, and they didn't want to do it. The and actors or the network? The network. Did they end up doing it? Yes, it I'm, was the first network. Uh, I'm keep going. Sorry, I'm hearing I, my brain's conflicting with that information. Um, I thought Will and Grace was the first. I thought Buffy was the first. Will, male? Will, Will, Will were male? they male? No, they were female. No, this is male. Okay, thank you. Okay. Backtrack. Yeah, these were male. Um, and a little trivia is that Nick Robinson's brother came out during the filming of the movie. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting too. So it's an important film right now. I mean, they made it lighthearted. There are some emotions that get triggered. I had some big emotions triggered. Any emotions triggered with boots? No. Nothing with boots. Nothing. Um, that was such, I, I, that's again, I wanted to be a trailer person. I would not have put that in the trailer. But anyway, um, yeah, go see it. Go see it. I think everybody, high school, older, I don't know, um, Junior high, maybe maybe not yet, maybe eighth grade, I guess. But I would say go with your parents. Parents go. It's it's a good one, but it's not an in your face. People, don't worry. Okay. Thank you, Valerie. Mm -hmm. um, I had the opportunity. The opportunity. This week has been very busy for me, so I didn't get any of my movie watching in until yesterday. And I just happened to be browsing through and saw a movie that I wanted to see for quite some time. And it just wasn't available until now. Can you imagine me as a spy? With a gun. What? These look delicious. Cool. This is very chewy. You're eating a hand towel. <laughs> just uh, cleansing my palate. <laughs> when I joined the CIA, I thought I was going to be this amazing spy. I'm just the same boring person I was before. You play it too safe. I just hear my mom's voice. Give up on your dreams, Susan. <sighs> just to write that in my lunchbox. Um, I probably spent 95% of this movie just cracking up. Uh, the movie being Spy um, with Melissa McCarthy 
at probably the best I've seen her. Um, she basically starts off the movie as a CIA handler in the basement um, for Jude Law's character, who is the epitome of a Bond, uh, not a Bond villain, a Bond-esque type spy. Does everything right, but he's constantly getting the feedback from Melissa McCarthy. And come to find out, Jude Law's character gets killed by the evil villain as they're trying to figure out where this nuclear... Um, bomb is and they put melissa mccarthy into the field as a spy even though she was completely untrained and it ends up being this hilarious romp with melissa mccarthy just actually succeeding in everything she does as a spy but kind of in goofy ways and the whole time being interjected by jason statham's character as the guy who wanted to go into the field but they said he couldn't go into the field and he was supposed to be off this case and so he's constantly interjecting himself, telling Melissa McCarthy that she's going to screw up everything, screw up everything. And it actually ends up being Jason Statham screwing up everything the whole time. So anybody who knows Jason Statham, he's a huge action character and he's the epitome of like full-blown, uh, you know, hardcore action. And it's great to watch the comedic interaction in between Melissa and Jason the whole time and Jason becoming the side character and Melissa being the, the numero uno in this film, um, it's directed by Paul Feig. Um, I just think this, the whole film was a riot to me is one of the few films that when it came to a close, I'm like, I could sit here and watch another half an hour, an hour more of this movie because it was so well written. The time, the comedic timing was on par. Uh, Rose Byrne plays the villain. Um, and Bobby Cannavale, Bobby Cannavale, uh, pops in as another villain. Um, and he's just, when you first see him, he's just got this really dark tan. And it's just like, it took me for a second to figure out, oh, that's who that is. Okay. Um, pros, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the comedic um, aspect between Melissa and Jason, who is not known as a, a comedy guy. He, um, Jude Law sticks to Jude Law's acting chops, but <laughs> he's got a little bit of comedic in there that is, I'm glad to see come out. Um, my only downfall of the movie was that it was indeed felt like too short. And why has there not been a second movie? This came out in 2015. I don't know. There should be another movie out already with this. Hmm. What was Paul been up to? Uh, he's directed a couple of shit, uh, movies <laughs> <laughs> off the top of my head. I can't, I'm blanking here. You know who the writer is? I'm sure Google could tell me. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes people are smart not to do sequels sometimes they just don't think there's enough traction to pull it and sometimes they wait until the right time to what was the uh take in at the box office do we know that was uh you don't have that the tip of your tongue i, I heard it was pretty good actually. i think so too i i feel like but I melissa thought. is transitioning i'm not sure if people know or not i've been realizing but melissa is slowly transitioning from comedic to more serious roles so um that could play a part in it too. She wants to be taking it more seriously. He directed Ghostbusters with Melissa McCarthy in it too. Well, so, so she his favorite and Bridesmaids. So yeah, the two of them have a, a pretty working relationship there. She was on Gilmore Girls. I think that's where she got her start, right? I think so too. Yeah, she's funny on there. He hasn't directed anything since Ghostbusters. Interesting. Okay, Ghostbusters was blah. I didn't see it. Yeah, we didn't miss much. Hmm. And. So next up, uh, Anthony. So yeah, it, but yeah, my recommendation <laughs> on that is 
go. If you need some good entertainment, lighthearted entertainment, um, it's playing on Fox or FX movies right now. So if you have streaming, you can catch it through the streaming. Um, it's good just to take your mind off of all the other crap that goes on in the world, especially the last couple weeks. So up next, Anthony with Camp X-Ray. Honor bound. Some of these guys have been locked up in here for eight years. You will refer to them as detainees. You will not call them prisoners. You can talk to them, but do not let these guys know anything about you. Do not let them get inside your head. This film kind of snuck up on me a little bit. I, Well, I think I'm in a minority here. I like Kristen Stewart a lot. I mean, I've been watching her since Twilight, and I was cringing the whole time. She was also in... Uh, was that film with Jodie Foster? I think it's one of her first films she did. But I've been watching her for a long time. Twilight kind of disappointed me on many levels. And then slowly but surely, Kristen Stewart's been proving herself to be a pretty... She's a personal shopper. Yeah, that too. That's good. I would say she's getting better. I don't have an adjective for that yet. But she's <laughs> impressing me, which is good. Um, Camp X-Ray. When when is, when was this? 2014. So that's still when Guantanamo Bay was still open and pumping out and doing its thing and making dividing the country a lot. But Camp X-Ray is about two people at Gitmo who one's a soldier who's Kristen Stewart. She's Private Cole, and we have a detainee Ali, who's from Germany, and is how these two connect over the matter of months. And as you heard in the trailer clip, they're not supposed to talk to each other. They're not supposed to connect at all. But somehow they do. And it's over a book, Harry Potter. So Ali's character has read all the Harry Potter books over and over and over again. And he's waiting for the last book. And they keep saying it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. But he says, but the story just stops. So there has to be an ending. And spoiler alert, at the end of the book, at the end of the story, sorry, the film, she gets him the last book. And it's a very moving moment. And the whole film... In a Look, I have goosebumps. Just goosebumps, I literally. I it's a good story. It, it feels good. I mean, there are some points where you're like, wow, that really happened. And it's about Cole, Kristen Stewart's character, has come from the Midwest, and she wants to do something bigger than herself. Wants to find out meaning in the world. And Ali is a supposed jihadist who's doing the same thing, and he wants to be part of something bigger, and he does the wrong thing, and he winds up in Gitmo. And these two just clash and struggle and rub each other the wrong way, but it, at the end of the day, they collide and it's a very big explosion not literally but it's a chemistry and it works for me um the last scene actually made me cry and i don't cry wow yeah yeah it was that touching like you should watch it like it's on. tears rolling like, down like a tear rolled down my eye my throat was hurting like i was oh because like, you really wanted i really dis- felt something and wow and this, where did you watch this this was on netflix so. i have never heard of this movie I haven't either. I'm telling you, don't get YouTube Red. Stay away from YouTube Red and let the trailers play during your viewing on YouTube. And you'll find a lot of movies. I don't, I don't have YouTube Red. Yeah. So just watch. No. Just let the trailers, let commercials play during your music videos or whatever you're doing on YouTube. I'm going to make an interjection here. Go that's ahead. going to take away from the serious tone of this. Um, you do realize you have two movies on back-to-back weeks that have a plot device of not having the last chapter of a book. Did not realize that. Logan Lucky, one of the key scenes of the prison scene is them riding because they don't have the last Game of Thrones book. Okay. 
Yes. <laughs> and so they throw a riot yeah. as part of the distraction of them breaking out of prison. So I didn't see that's a good connection. He caught that. I didn't get that. But um, but as soon as you said the Harry Potter thing, there is subconscious. But I, but the ending though is just like she even writes in the book. He calls her Blondie because she doesn't know her real name, and she writes this thing in the book and says that. Spoiler alert! I don't know if Snape's a good guy, but I know you are. And that right there, and the look on his face. I mean, he was hard, and you could see him trying to connect with the new guard walking the door. And the guy said, "No, I'm not going to talk to you." Just That's fascinating. It's it's a great story. For and those little Potterheads out there, it's just if you like Harry Potter, go see. And if you've read all the books, watch you have it. to watch this movie. Watch the movie. Camp X-ray is my recommendation, and I say go for it. Watch it. Don't wait. Can I ask you? Did you say who directed it? This was directed by uh, Peter. Settler, who also wrote the screenplay for it, or helped co-write it a little bit. Okay. Cool. Cool. So those are our picks of the week. We got Valerie with Love, Simon, X-Ray, and Spy. So, And with that, we are going to take a short break, and we will be right back. Hey, you... That's right, I'm talking to you. Insert your ad here. That's right, ever wanted to become part of an ad? Ever have something that really wants to be shared and it's created and made by you? Well, this is your chance. Become part of the Cultural Stew advertising platform. Contact us today, see what we can do for you and what you can do for us. And welcome back. Today we are going to roll into our stew and Valerie is going to take us away. Now, of course, this was created by me. <laughs> Film and its attempt to portray authentic relationships. Um, growing up, I wanted to fall in love like Harry and Sally did. And I wanted college friends like in The Big Chill. Basically, my life was a movie. But then you have those movies that come along <laughs> that destroy everything you're thinking of and think is this the way it's really going to be um so i was wondering what movies it's different for everybody because everybody has these different experiences in life so i didn't know if authenticity um to your life to our my life or whatever um how they worked for you so for instance um i didn't have a blue Valentine moment, but that I can see the authenticity of that relationship and how it went sour. Um, and take this waltz. That's the one that actually really hit it for me. Um, and I didn't know if you guys had movies that you watched that really hit home for you that thought that, that were relevant to your life. Anything? For falling in love or... Anything, actually. I mean, if you watched something, you thought, oh my gosh, this is really kind of how it is. Um, I would watch... I mean, I realize that that's not the way it is because of the money thing, but I used to watch Sex and the City just to feel like I had girlfriends around. I used to... I mean, I still watch A Family Stone around the holidays to make me feel like there are people around in my house. Uh, I know that sounds strange, but they become like friends to you in a way. Uh, 
I'm not a huge family drama person. Are you a drama? I'll watch them. Am I a drama fan? Yes. Okay. I'll, I mean, I'll watch them, but I don't stick around in my head for very long. I mean, I typically will watch them once, and that's enough for me. I think that's um, what a lot of people are like, probably. And it's not anything. It's not like digging up anything. It's just I don't feel a connection in a way. So maybe there hasn't been something that's dug in deep enough to make me want to come, keep coming back to it. I, I used to watch uh, uh, an old one with Julianne Moore's Myth of Fingerprints. And uh, there's a lot that goes on in that movie. But Julianne Moore's character, this is back when I was angry and didn't know why. So her character, I related to her character in a lot of ways. Um, but not in all ways. But she was very angry in that movie. And I connected to it for some reason in my early 20s. Um, and then, um, beautiful girls was always this movie that when you're, cause you're coming home to a, a small town <laughs> and, uh, had that feeling. Sometimes I, when they hit too close, I can't watch them either. So. And sometimes it's not like the full movie. Maybe it's just a part of it. Like there was something about even watching a movies like feel of dreams. Mm -hmm. The relationship that he never got to have with his father and then that mythical ability, you know, having the film and Kevin Costner being able to have that relationship with his father. It's just like, I mean, that touches on a way of me being able to want to have a good relationship with my father when I was a kid. And sure. so, I mean, little stuff like that, that touch, but well, that counts. I think uh, Meyerowitz stories was one of the most recent examples of something that I feel is really strong writing that grounds itself in reality. Um, I think the writing in that was fantastic, but it, you know, you have the kids dealing with the, the, a, the tension of the father mm -hmm. and dealing with, you know, this is the, this is what happens in the blowback of divorce. You don't really ever get too much of the other side of it. It's just from the father's side and the kids trying to. Nothing's you know, good enough. Nothing's good enough. Well, yeah. one, one child is yeah. good enough. I had this experience, Meyerowitz um, Stories is close to me, like Nebraska. It's one of the very few films that was not written by Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor. And I liked Alexander a lot, so I watched it because he was directing it. And Nebraska is about basically a father and son and how the son kind of humors his older father and he's going on a trip to receive a prize for a sweepstakes that everyone knows is a scam and spam mail, but the father needs something going on in his life. so. His son goes with them on a trip, and they go and get the prize, I guess. And it's about their relationship, them bonding together. And in a way, that made me think about my father and my mother and how when I was young, they would humor me and what I wanted to do. And like our parents always do, they humor our dreams and aspirations. And how at some point in my life, it's not humoring anymore. It's more like I need to look after my parents, and I need to make sure that I'm there for them. And they may want something so small, but it may be a lot for me, but I need to be willing to do the same thing. So... Nebraska showed me, and that film came out in 2013, but it showed me that at some point in my life, I'm going to have to be there for my parents like they were for me, and that touched me a lot. Because when you're my age, you don't really think about that. You don't think your parents are going to get older and die. You just think, oh, they're just getting older. And you realize the sacrifices your parents didn't make for you, and then you do realize that it's not a sacrifice you're making, it's that you love them, and that's why you're doing it. And that's what I got from that film. I, I think it's interesting, the movies that I saw when I was young, 
that I just kind of watched. And I think about them now as an adult um, and think, oh, my gosh, I really connect with that. Which, you know, on Golden Pond, her relationship that she has with her father that goes back and forth um, and the fact that she couldn't do, uh, I think it was a back dive um, and saying that she can do it, she's going to do it. And she felt like she wasn't good enough and that, that he wanted a son. And, you know, yeah, there's a lot of things, parents and children, um, the way that we perceive things compared to what the parents perceive, you know. So um, I thought it was interesting. I always felt like it was weird that Catherine Hepburn slapped her. I thought, why do you do that? You know, because uh, because she sees it as a parent sees it. And she's looking at, you know, you're not seeing it because you're a child. You're not seeing everything um, the way you should because you're being selfish and you're wanting some, a certain type of relationship and that's not what you're getting. So um, there's a lot of movies that pull those types of things out of, out of you. But I feel like a lot of those movies that make people, they, they go to the movies to escape a lot of people. Um, a lot, I go to feel a lot sometimes and sometimes when you feel too much audiences do not appreciate it they they just once is enough they have gone through that feeling and they don't want to feel it again <laughs> if it's too real um they don't want to go through that it was interesting i um i like i had a connection to shakespeare and love when it came out mm -hmm. i was entering into like my first romantic relationship and it was at a time when I was actually being very creative and wanted to do more with that creativity. And I just like, I felt that there was somewhat of a connection with, you know, the struggling writer of Shakespeare trying to, to get his performance on and him going through the real life relationship um, there. And I just like, for that, that's something I connected to. But it's so over dramatic that it's like, hey, it's not how much of that would actually happen in real life first. Well, sure. But it's it, the movies that do come out at the exact same time that you're going through something. I think her interesting shop girl came out and the relationship that she had uh, in that movie with the older guy um, mirrored a relationship that I had just had. And it was, you know, it comes out and you're like, holy crap, did somebody... I just had this type of relationship. So um, those are the types when you're like, sometimes I go to the movies just to see myself. You just want to understand yourself more. And if you see something in a movie that reminds you of something you're going through or, or have gone through or you're questioning how to, how to do that, um, you watch a movie to see, oh, well, how did they do it? And sometimes they do it very wrong. Um, like August Osage County, I don't, I don't need that type of relationship. Uh, I don't need sparring. I don't need that type of stuff. Um, but that was pretty real for a lot of people. So I think um, the escapism is, is what rules movies. People like to escape into another world. Um, they want to fall in love like that, which kind of screwed me up, I'll admit. Growing up with movies that um, I want to love like that. I want a feeling like that. I want to do all this. And it, I think that might lie in why I, I kind of come and go with 
family or these type of dramas that we're talking about right here is just that I don't want to walk into somebody else's relationship and feel like I'm walking into like my neighbors walking into their door and seeing them splay out their life. It's just sometimes it's just not interesting to me. Um, and I think the movie we're going to talk about is a prime example of like, this is not a family I would like to walk into and have to deal with all their shit because we have our own shit. And it may be at the core as to why I kind of avoid these films in general sure. sometimes. But that movie is... The Squid and the Whale, which I'm glad we picked, by the way, over the other one, which I don't even remember what it was. Fidelity, high fidelity, I think it was. Oh, gosh, I'm so glad we picked this one. <laughs> so glad. Um, You're welcome. So, I mean, I... I still recommend High Fidelity. Read the book first, though. Anyway, but The Squid and the Whale. Wow. Um, the opening lines of this movie, because they're about to start playing tennis, but you don't see that, is Mom and, Mom and Me versus You and Dad. Bam. And then they open up to have this tennis match. But that is a lot of... That already hit me. Like I was like, oh, yes, that's very, very similar. Um, it's a movie. It takes place in Park Slope, uh, Brooklyn, 1989. Um, and it has Laura Linney and Jeff Daniels and a young... Jesse. Thank you, Jesse Eisen, Eisenberg and the... Oscar winner uh, Rogue, Anna oh. Paquin. Mm-hmm. She's in there, too. <laughs> She is in there. And the the younger brother, somebody have his name? He deserves to have his name mentioned. He was very good, and I will get it there in one second. His name going, get it. is, going. oh, my gosh, um, Frank? Is it Owen Klein? It's Owen Klein. Oh, and we also have uh, um, oh, a young gish William Baldwin in this movie, Ivan, the tennis player. <laughs> Um, so these two are going through a divorce. Um, this movie reminded me a lot of, um, a movie that I, that I'll get to, that has people that I'll get to. <laughs> My brain is not working. It's, it's the dad is a writer and a child that um, idolizes him and to the point where it's nauseating. And the dad is, um, he wrote something, but he is not famous for it anymore. Um, and anybody who is famous, he finds some type of issue with. I mean, he says Tale of Two Cities is one of the minor works. You know, he talks like that. He's so egotistical. He's so... Um, well, even, narcissistic. Even things like that come up in the Meyerowitz stories. Yes, right? you know, that's by what I'm the same guy. He's it, a sculptor, you know, but he doesn't do that anymore. Constantly, the father's constantly. They say that they, they basically put Jeff Daniels and he grew older and then he's Dustin Hoffman in that movie to, to link those two together because, um, but they're going through, he and Laura Linney, who's, you know, I, I love Laura Linney, um, are going through a divorce and a parent that shares too much about the other parent, I feel. Um, him saying, oh, she had an affair for four years. Oh, I thought you knew that. 
to a young child. Well, he needs the outlet, so he's venting slash, you know, just letting it all out, and it's he's trying to have sides to. And he's all, yeah, he's trying to. He's definitely putting himself up on a pedestal to make him look self look better. But everything he does to put himself on a pedestal ends up pushing his sons further away from him. Correct. I mean, even his relationship with Anna Paquin, who is in his class mm-hmm. his student, yes. yeah. it's his student who he gives 20 year old yeah she's looking for a place and he has a, a room open so she moves in and of course his son who's 18 19 16 Not even 16 17 oh is he sorry yeah. um Foster. falls for her after he has his own girlfriend who is lovely although ugh, they kiss and she's trying to help him learn how to kiss, so she's Your guiding him. Your too far in. Like, yeah, but then he looks at him, he's like, you have too many freckles. Well, he's acting yeah. like his dad. He's, he's so finding fault in everything, and you're above everything. I just, he drove dad. me crazy. He's his dad. He was mimicking his dad and taking what his dad was teaching him, indirectly or directly. It drove me insane. But he does, when he takes his kids, because that happens, you take the kids to your apartment to show them around. I thought that was pretty realistic. I'm gonna cook and run the household like you're used to. This is nothing like our house. You mean your mother's house? What? This is nothing like your mother's house. That's what I just said. No, you said our house. That's your mother's house. This is your house too. No, this is your house. It's our house. I hate Nastasi. you know that. I even met Nastasi and said he was an asshole. Well, I couldn't find Vetus Garolitis. I have a Vetus But yeah. Um, when you're a kid and you go over to see the other, and in my case, it was my dad's house. It wasn't my house. It was his house or his apartment. Um, it, it, it was interesting how Jeff Dano set that up too because he's like, oh yeah, I've got a, a house on the other side of here and it's the filet of the neighborhood. <sighs> it's like, well, no. If that's the flay of the neighborhood, I don't want to see what the neighbor's house looks like because it was pretty run down and trash, but that was the situation he ended up in. Well, yeah, and the fact there are big fights that come, that come down um, at the end uh, where they're getting to, he finds out that she called, that Laura Linney calls Jeff Daniels' father. Just to kind of say goodbye, she loved him. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where you kind of let the other in-law know what's going on and that you cared about them. That was very real to me because that my parents cared about their in-laws, um, have had deep feelings for them. And so for some reason he took that as a, there's hope in our relationship when... There was none. There was none. He put her down. He never supported her. It was all about him. Um, everything was about him. He drove me insane. Just listening to him say these, saying, th- say things. Just, I don't know. I think Noah based the father on his own. I mean, this is based on his own life. I've heard it in several interviews. So, oh gosh, when. You know, when he's in the hospital at the end because he has a heart attack or ish. And then he says, I want you to stay here with me all day. 
Nope. And then, you know. I, I think a good thing that the film does is really actually shows like what happens to the kids. Right. You know, how much it actually ends up affecting them. It really does. And you have uh, the scene where they get called into the principal's office. Has uh, anything been going on at home that might have provoked this behavior? Well, Bernard left him behind for three days last week. And of course, Frank's mother divorced me earlier this year, which also might have something to do with it. Uh, Ms. Berkman, I read your So <laughs> they get called into the principal's office for something that the younger son is doing that yeah. is quite <laughs> disgusting <laughs> and disturbing. But... You know, they go into the principal's office and she points out like, hey, you know, what's he going did on? He did get left behind. He got left three behind. three days for both of them. But hey, but, you know, the dad actually tunes in with like, hey, you know, maybe it has something to do with us being divorced. Which is ridiculous. I just feel like let's blame the divorce when actually you just left your son home for three days. However, should she may have called to make sure he was coming to get you know, nobody checked in. Of course, this was also 89. I'm not sure if people were that, you know, up each other's butts for that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, the kid ends up drinking because he starts having a drinking habit early on. Anyway, he's 10 years old. I, w- I was kind of shocked at the scene poisoning. when Jeff Daniels comes to the window and he turns around and the kid's got the beer. That, like, that never got brought up. No. I know. Wow. A lot of things how, do how get it, brought up. And I don't know if that just plays into Jeff's character of just not seeing that in his kids, that he was always trying to see above that. I don't know. I thought it was just a weird thing to me that, like, he's even like the way they filmed it and he's holding the can, it's like it would have been completely visible for. Maybe he just didn't care. I mean, that's how I read it and that's how I saw it. That he's. I felt that was interesting. um, And what to make of it, I guess, when. Um, Jesse Eisenberg's character goes to see a therapist and they talk about the squid and the whale and he speaks of his, he talks about his mother in the happy memories of his life. He talks about his mother and how she made him feel feel good about it, um, better about life, never speaks about his dad which I thought was interesting. And then at the end of the movie, when he goes in and his father's acting like, you know, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me, and then he realizes all at once, it's like, oh, it's all about you. Well, he realizes that his mom has always been there for him too. Like during the therapy session, he realizes that his mom has been in his happy place and his mom has always cared about him and his dad has been, it's like the first time his dad's not there to interject or force his feelings and thoughts and And say he's better on him. Yeah. Anyway, overall, I... I really enjoyed the movie just because I loved the writing and I liked the feelings and I like because I hated Jeff Daniels so much I thought he was written well. So yeah, did you like it? It's not a bad movie. I mean, I've seen Noah's career and his writing progressing, mature over time. And again, this was in his period of time period of his life where he was still trying to find his real voice. I mean, he had done I think the Life Aquatic the year previous to that. So he had worked with Wes Anderson, and I think working with Wes helped him see more of the family dynamic, and he came out with this after that, and he's been doing things ever since. I mean, I like his writing a lot. Mayerwood Stories was one of my favorite things he's ever done. I loved Mayerwood Stories. As I said, I mean, with this film, 
I could come or go with it. I'll probably never ever watch it again. It just it's like walking in. I knew I knew several kids growing up that were going through divorces, and I luckily was not one of them. And so this doesn't hit home to me in any level. And it feels like I was walking into one of those like I'm the awkward kid walking into two parents fighting that aren't together anymore, and their kids are. You know, you're hearing it from the kid side of the story. Was this uncomfort for you, or just not? It's just not, not anything there. I was interested in okay. really watching. I mean, I wouldn't have watched this okay. based off of uh, the synopsis by myself. Okay, it did pretty I mean, well on the on the scene, on the film scene. Okay. I mean, did some got some awards and stuff. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm, no, just no, saying, no. I'm just know, saying, you know, going I, back to our topic, it's just not something that. Yeah, I wouldn't walk into my neighbor's house on purpose to watch them go through a divorce and frivolous worry. And you're not like a life. Um, well, you are because you're a theater person. Theater is, I mean, just um, how we get through life, watching people go through difficult situations and how they dealt with them. Not all theater is. Um, no, I know that. I know, I'm just but saying. I'm just saying, but yeah, a lot of theater is not. I think lately it's been more like August of Sage County made it okay to have these verbal spars and volleys back and forth. But before then, theater was kind of softer and more gentle. I think over time, theater's gotten more raw and edgy with dialogue wise and more fierce and aggressive. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, theaters. It could be that I spend so much time in the theater that I'm constantly getting fed this, that it's not something I will purposely go out and seek well shakespeare himself i mean shakespeare was dealing I'm a huge with shakespeare fan okay well i was just saying <laughs> shakespeare is always looking at life and its characters oh, and they i don't want to get this but continue sorry what uh being a playwright a playwright sorry i'm just like shakespeare i respect the work but not the man i just sometimes i think i, I didn't know him yeah it's uh we did not cross <laughs> you weren't we buddies. did not we didn't yeah. cross paths so having him fed down my throat in theater class and sure. being a major graduate you get fed him a lot and right he's an idea poacher most of his plays are based on other which i've heard stories and we all do that but to call him original and whatnot it's not really fair to people who actually are like henry gibson and not sure. But I grew up, I mean, I grew up in, this is when I was, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay. I, I respect Shakespeare a lot. I just do. I just feel like sometimes people give him way too much accolades for something that was, he had a lot of help with. But moving on. I was not giving him accolades. I was mentioning him as a couple of things. I know you weren't, but yeah, it's, it's rough. I'm just going to kick your ass after this. It's okay. <laughs> just letting you know. <laughs> if you haven't told, we don't get along at all. No. Um, and that wraps up today's <laughs> stew. Next week, we are going to be talking about preying upon your childhood nostalgia. And we are going to all go see Ready Player One at some point this week. I'm looking forward to it as that is uh, Spielberg's next film. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for this one. This is cool because we all read the book or all, the screenplay. I read the book a long time ago. I'll probably reread it this week sometime. It was a long time ago. I'm only 32. I know and the fact that you're like, I'm just going to reread it. <laughs> you're like one of those Harry Potter. I'm just going to just read the whole thing of Harry I Potter over this last week. <laughs> I like to read. I like to watch. 
I like to listen. <laughs> so, uh, what's on your radar and uh, cue there, Tony? Let's see. Uh, this week I watched Hologram for the King. That's Tom Hanks. It was written and directed by Tom Teichler. Um It's a David Eggers novel. Uh, I mean, I guess you can watch it on a rainy day. It wasn't that exciting. It was kind of slow burn for me. The music was awesome. I listen to music a lot. Like when I'm running or working on things around the house, you can hear the music soundtrack blasting. But the movie was just kind of, eh. It's about a guy who goes to Saudi Arabia and tries to reinvent himself in his career and doesn't really, but he finds more of a purpose. So if you're not in a hurry and you want to just watch something that Tom Hanks is in, you can watch that. That's on uh, Amazon. I also had the chance to watch the Young Vic's production of A Doll's House, which was on a digital theater. It's a subscription-based web service where you can watch theater performances from London and the UK. Pretty snazzy. Um, the set was kind of cool. Um, revolves around. So you can see different parts of the, the, the house, Nora's house. A Doll's House is basically about a woman who forges her husband's signature to write a check and to get him well, to get him feeling better for his health. And it comes back to bite her many years later. It's written in the 1800s. Henrik Ibsen wrote it, and I thought it was pretty good. I just shot that for Nazareth College this past season. How was it? It's good. Did they use yeah. the updated version, or did they use the traditional Ibsen? Traditional. Type? Okay. Yeah. It was a uh, beautiful set. It was all wrought iron cast work. Nice. <clears throat> Pride. Awesome. And I'm going to be watching Roseanne season two's premiere this Tuesday or Monday is one of those days, but I'll be watching that because I love Roseanne and I'll be finishing up the last tycoon as well on Amazon. How about you, Valerie? I, um, you've had a busy week with, uh, I, I watched <laughs> randomly here. I was going to finish up some stuff, had all these things on my list. And then all at once I saw absentia. Is that how you're going to say it? I think that's a... Is that the one on Amazon? Yeah. Abstentia? Abstentia. Abstent... No, it's not A-B-S-E-N-T-I-A. Abstentia. Yeah. No, it's not stentia. It's sentia. Okay. Anyway, I watched that on Amazon. I'll write a review about it. It's... Okay, so I watched the whole thing. It kept me going, but it was a somewhat ridiculous but um it worked for me for the week um you know those i want to be a little bit intrigued but i don't want to think those kinds of shows um so yeah an fbi agent that lost six years of her life and she's trying to find the person that um kidnapped her and it's a crazy crazy thing but i'll write a thing it was it was okay um i'm still wanting to go see uh, the dinner. Um, is that what it's called? The dinner. The dinner is that with um, John Lithgow in it, and no, the one that, the one that's out right now, the party. The, par- oh, the, the party. party. Yeah. That's what I'm playing I mean. at the little. I need right to, f- and I'm still people. I need to finish Man in the High Castle. I just need to get it done. So just do it. That's what I'm going to be focusing on this week. Awesome. Um, I had I finished up Sneaky Pete season two, loved that show. I thought it was great. A friend that started it, um, she likes it a lot. I don't know if there's going to be a season three. It took three years in be- two years or three years in between the the two seasons, so mm-hmm. I don't know if there's going to be another year. But 
It finished on a good enough note that like if they didn't do another year, you'd be fine with it. But okay. I'd love to see another year of it because it was just good, good, smart writing. Um, also just started watching uh, the new show on, I think, NBC, Rise with Josh Radner. Um, it's really good. Uh, I, I want to say high school musical, but it's, it's about a an English teacher who takes over the play that was they were doing Grease, the high school musical, and completely dissembles the department and has them doing Spring Awakening and all the background drama of that. Um, now, that is something I feel is relatable of uh, when we, in high school, we were doing, we were supposed to be doing West Side Story, didn't have enough guys, and so they ended up doing Into the Woods. And oh my. because we did Into the Woods, that's why I stayed in theater. Because oh. the year before, our first show was The Wiz. And mm. I said, this has got to be the stupidest thing I've ever decided to do in my life. And if they had done West Side Story, I probably wouldn't have stuck around after that. But the fact that we did Into the Woods was like, wow, it's smart. I love it. And I stayed in theater ever since. Cool. Um, <clears throat> Jack White's new album, Boarding House Reach, came out. Um, I was really excited for this. And... I'm not going to give it high praise. Um, it's a lot different than his usual stuff, um, but it's kind of sad. Uh, been listening to Pod Save America uh, podcast. Um, a lot of poli- uh, lot of political stuff happening lately that are is of great importance. And I think the guys that are running the Pod Save America have, have been hitting it on the head. And when they bring in politicians and actually ask them the the down and dirty questions and kind of run with it. But there's a little bit of snarky, snarkyism, snarkyism, snark, snark in, uh, in the way they present it. So it's like, yeah, this, so this is what we need in our time. Uh, of course, looking forward to ready player one. Isle of dogs is sadly not anywhere here until April 14th. Really? Little yeah. didn't get it. Nope. Sad. It's on limited release until April 14th. So mm. that was going to be the one I wanted to watch this week, but I had to wait until Wednesday when everybody came out with who was playing what this week, and they right. were not on it. And, of course, Billions starts tonight, so I'll probably watch that tomorrow. What starts tonight? Billions. That's the one with I talked about that last week with I'm sorry. Uh, Paul Giamatti and uh, Dan- Damian Lewis. It is a pretty cool show. It's okay. on Showtime. Oh, I don't get Showtime. And Timeless Season 2, Episode 3 is on tonight. Mm -hmm. So, woo-woo. Well, that wraps up our show for today. Tony, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at S-M-T-O-R-C-H-I-O, and I'm all over Facebook. You're all over Facebook. I am, actually. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm on Twitter at PennyLane64 and Instagram. I mean... I'm on Facebook, but I'm not on it very much, so not a good place for me. And as always, you can find me as at GF Media or at GF Media CEO pretty much anywhere. And you can find us at culturalstew.net, at culturalstew.net on Twitter, or culturalstew on Facebook. But you could like us on Facebook. That'd make us happy. (laughs) You could. The intro and break music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazeer. Available through the Creative Commons license from Free Music Archive. The outgoing music is provided by Epidemic Sound. Please see our show notes for details on what the outgoing song is and who it is by 
And also, as always, if you have a piece of music that you'd like us to play or consider playing, please contact us today. Like what you've heard? Want to continue to hear more? Please consider Patreon. What is Patreon, you ask? Patreon is a content creator support site, a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love. Please consider heading over to patreon.com gfmedia and becoming a Patreon supporter today. The tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Somebody to love. Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. Somebody to love. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.